0: You're a geek!
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Geek Podcast.
0: Compromising the integrity of this game with your fantasy football. With your
1: hosts, Jack Lito and Andrew You
0: Just let your geek flag fly. Once again, my kicker is getting no love. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. That's it, baby. Hey, let's talk and communicate. Let's go. Why mo to bunch left, Al Pacino. Good to see you. These yeah. your boys? Yeah, these are my boys. Yeah. yeah, what's up, guys? On fantasy team. See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. am turnover. gonna uh, turn I'd rather talk to him. <laughs> Welcome to the Fantasy Geek Podcast. Jack Leto here. You there. Andrew Fenichel. A quick five-hour plane ride away. This is the Fantasy Geek. We are proudly representing the Powder Blue Podcast Network. And football is back. We took a little bit of a break, but we are back. Week one is over. Hey, did you see that team... Do that thing? Wow, they're going 16-0. But did you see that other team do that other thing? Wow, they sucked. That Those guys are going 0-16. Did you see that quarterback make that throw? That guy is a hall of famer. These are some of the overreactions we're going to be discussing in this show. Slightly in jest because, let's be real, everyone overreacts to week one. But, hey, let's do it because maybe some of these overreactions – will come true. And we've got a few of them for you today. Andrew, how are you doing? What is your takeaway from week one? You can get as specific or as broad as you want.
1: What's up, Jack? It's good to be here. It's good to talk fancy as always. Now, real quick, I forgot how crazy NFL Sundays get. Not going to lie. I mean, it's been a few months, like just being in an atmosphere with i mean 20 different tvs going with all different games you have red zone on one you have the local broadcast on another like twitter's up you know you have tweet deck going it's crazy man and the other funny thing i think about overreactions now is that on social media people are sort of sarcastic when they bring up overreactions like you have the you know the on pace guy as you always listen to when someone goes oh like you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown is on pace this game for 780 yards and 17 touchdowns. It's like, okay, like terrific. Like that's such a dumb stat. Like no one needs to see that on their Twitter feed. So like, I think overreactions have sort of gone from something people try to take seriously to still being sarcastic about, I don't know. They're just fun to talk about. Let's get to it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. All right. Excuse me. Quick hitter off the top. I, I'm so excited for a week one victory lap because let's be real. There's only one week you can do a week one victory lap. And since these players that we liked performed well, obviously we're right. And everyone else who doubted us is wrong. And all those players that we thought would do well, but did horrible in week one, (coughs) three interceptions, (coughs) Jameis Winston, (laughs) they don't matter. That is just an aberration And week one will not matter. But let's take a victory lap. I will go first because I'm so excited about Josh Jacobs. He made our week one matchup uh, very interesting. Uh, Peel back the curtain a little bit. Andrew beat me in fantasy. I had absolutely no business winning that game. I had Stefan Diggs, Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tariq Cohen on my team. And Josh Jacobs made it close at the end. 100 yards from scrimmage, two rushing touchdowns. And the thing I am most proud of is that John Gruden and Greg Olson, Olson, the offensive coordinator of the Raiders, they coached football in 2005 and they gave Josh Jacobs all the carries, even though it was his first game ever in Oakland, Monday Night Football. They said, screw it, Josh Jacobs, you're getting all the carries. And a little bit upsetting for me as a Jalen Rashard truther, but who cares? I was more confident. Uh, in Josh Jacobs I
1: know you were too Jacob oh I was too I was never as high on Jacobs as you were but compared to the median and compared to most experts I was now I think the most important thing you mentioned Josh Jacobs got all the carries he got 74 percent of the snaps compared to Jalen Richard's 16 percent which means Josh Jacobs isn't just the two down back he's like the two he's like the two down five back he's getting half of those (laughs) third down carries as well third down receptions as well and for my victory lap, Jack, I think you know where I'm going with this. There's a few directions I could take it. I mean, Le'Veon Bell played 100% yeah. of the offensive snaps for the New York Jets and balled out like I said he was. You know, I have a few other guys that I've been high on this season who went off week one. But the man that I got the most hate for, for being high on, the Tennessee Titans running back, Derrick Henry. <laughs> what a performance. Are you kidding? And a game that the game script was absolutely horrendous for him. Everyone thought the Browns would destroy the Titans and that the Titans would be from behind. And, you know, Derrick Henry can't catch the ball. Well, how about a 75-yard touchdown, reception? How about, how about 19 carries for 84 yards and another touchdown? Derrick Henry balled out in a big way. I called it. I knew he was going to be a stud. Now, I'm not going to front. I actually did bench him in one league. Because I thought the game script was bad, I I you know I gave into the gave into the hype, but Derrick Henry balled out. I think he's a, for sure an every week starter now. Overreaction Monday, Derrick maybe. Henry,
0: one what? reception for seventy five yards and a touchdown is just that's gonna haunt me in my dreams. He had two uh, targets.
1: He had one other target as well. So
0: oh two, my fault.
1: Big player, uh, in the and if we want to
0: do a. <laughs> A hand in hand victory lap. I was very excited to see Michael oh, Gallup yeah. go off. Oh yeah. We were both pretty high on him. He's our boy. Uh and who cares if it was against the defense that belonged in the pack twelve. Uh <laughs> that Giants D looked absolutely <laughs> awful. We are in big trouble. Um, and I would just I would be so sad if we waste Saquon Barkley's talent. And I'm going on a tangent, but damn, Saquon Barkley is so good. And the Giants just are so bad. Uh all right, let's move on. <laughs> Gallup, own him if you don't. Uh, that was our quick hitter. Let's do some overreactions. Andrew, give me a statement that could be an overreaction, and let's, let's be realistic about it.
1: Let's do it. All right, Jack Leto. Tom Brady is a top five fantasy quarterback for 2019. What do you think?
0: It's an overreaction. Explain No, it. He can't be. He's 42 years old. There's no way he's going to have the same upside as five other quarterbacks. Or he's going to have a better upside, more upside than, let's do the math in my head, 28 other quarterbacks. I just, I don't see as many huge performances. I think he has a good floor, and I think he's a locked and loaded top 12 quarterback. But I just, let, let me do some math. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Carson Wentz, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Baker Jackson. Rito? Okay, you're kind of convincing that Lamar Jackson, oh, th- you know it's, it's tantalizing. Than you think. Tom Brady is a top five quarterback because you're definitely going to have one of those games where he has 300 yards and three touchdowns. I just don't think he's going to have enough of those games to finish the year as a top-five quarterback.
1: Which I agree with, and I also like the way you approach this, this question by you know going backwards and counting out five quarterbacks that you think will finish ahead of him. Because um, I'm on the sort of the same train. I think Tom Brady is now definitely a top-12 quarterback, if not top-10. Top-five is a little stretching it, but just hear me out. I mean, 42 years old, Tom Brady could be 72 years old, and if he has Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, once Nikhil Harry comes back, James White... You know Julian Edelman. I mean, talk about weapons. Are you kidding? This is either, this might be the greatest collection of downfield weapons we have seen, not just in the Patriots' offense, but in any offense in the last you know decade. Tom Brady has incredible playmakers, and the run game did not look good on Sunday night against Pittsburgh, even in a blowout, which bodes well for Brady throwing the ball more this season. That's all I'm gonna say. So I'm with you. I don't think Brady is a top five quarterback, but it's closer than you think. And if you don't have Tom Brady and you have like a Phillip Rivers or like a fringe top 10 guy, pick him up. Why not?
0: Yeah. If you went into 2019 streaming quarterbacks and you have Tom Brady on the waiver wire, I'd pick him up and just throw streaming out the window because now you have a top 12 quarterback that you might have thought you didn't have before and i i actually always thought tom brady was on the fringe of the qb2 qb1 debate yeah. but now he's firmly in qb1 territory and
1: last point about tom brady's uh, potentially being like a top 10 quarterback this season he has an easy schedule i mean he plays the dolphins twice and then oh, God. as far as teams oh yeah we know what we know what the Dolphins secondary can do which is not much Um, And then as far as teams that gave up a lot of passing yards and passing performances to quarterbacks in week one, he plays the Redskins this year, the Giants, the Eagles, plays the Texans, the Chiefs, the Bengals. Patriots have a very easy schedule when it comes to teams that can't stop the pass. Tom Brady... Because of course they do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because of course they do. And again, he threw for 341 yards and three touchdowns in week one. And is now going to add Antonio Brown, so
0: oh, it's going to be rough. Sorry, sorry, the rest rest of the NFL AFC. Yeah. All right, I'm going to overreact to the number five running back on week one, or on the week, an absolute stud. Tell me, Dalvin Cook is he a top five running back the rest of season? You go first. What's your initial reaction?
1: Oh man, it was great to see Dalvin Cook ball out. I'll give you that. And the talent has never been in question with Dalvin Cook. I think we can all agree on that as well. But and there's a major but when it comes to Dalvin Cook. We all know how injury prone he is. And when you combine the injury prone nature of a guy like Dalvin Cook with how many great running backs there are in the NFL, I'll do your, you know, I'll use your strategy and count backwards. No way Dalvin Cook finishes ahead of uh Christian McCaffrey, no way he finishes ahead of Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson looked like the old David Johnson in week one, Chris Carson balled out, Derrick Henry, I mean, even Marlon Mack looked like a monster. So if I'm a betting man, yeah, Dalvin Cook has a talent to be a top five guy, but I wouldn't bet him to finish ahead of any of those guys and coupled with the injury concerns there's just there's just too much of a of a wall there for me with Dalvin Cook.
0: See, here's what made me say this: Dalvin Cook, no question, he's got the talent. But look at the stat line for Kirk Cousins. Eight of ten, he threw ten passes. That is a Mike Zimmer wet dream because even though he threw those ten passes, the Vikings still dominated. Like the the, the final score, twenty eight to twelve. It wasn't even that close. The Vikings absolutely dominated. And look, there's the chicken in the in the egg, uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans type argument of, did Dalvin Cook run great? And that's the reason why Minnesota uh, was ahead so much, and didn't have to pass. Or did Minnesota not pass and run the ball? And that's the reason they were great. But the final stat line, Cook, 21 for 111. He's got two touchdowns, I believe. And he's got all the talent in the world, but I'd agree with you. I just, I, th- that injury concern is is too much for me, but I wouldn't be, not only would I not be shocked if he finished top five, I think there's a world where if he plays 16 games, Dalvin Cook is the running back one.
1: There's definitely a world. I've said it. The talent is never in question with Dalvin Cook. So like, yeah, he could finish as a top five running back. It just comes down to, are we going to bet him to? No, because of the injuries and because of the other talent. I don't know. That's my take.
0: And behind him, uh, you had Alexander Madison go 9 for 49. Team that's going to run the ball a lot. I've already firmly planted my flag in Alexander Madison, but if he's somehow still on your waiver wire, he yeah. is, he's a must stash right now. mustache
1: For sure. All right, so let's move on to my second overreaction. Here's a guy everyone's talking about, a guy that probably shouldn't be on your waiver wire, but if he is... I'll tell you why you might not actually want to pick him up. Marquise Hollywood Brown. So, we mentioned at the top of the show that Lamar Jackson went off in week one. He had, like, 20... He only attempted 20 passes, correct? Or was it he completed 20 passes? I think he completed 20 uh, passes. I'll check on that. He had five touchdowns. Absolutely obliterated the Miami Dolphins.
0: And ho- he attempted 20 passes. There
1: you go. How many did he complete?
0: That's insane.
1: 17. There you go. So, Lamar Jackson only rushed for six yards, attempted 20 passes, completed 17 of them, threw for five touchdowns. Like, this is one of the most incredibly efficient passing performances we've ever seen from a quarterback. And Marquise Hollywood-Brown, the rookie wide receiver, was definitely a positive recipient of this performance by Lamar Jackson because in week one, he had four receptions for 147 yards and two touchdowns. And he is currently sitting as the wide receiver four. So, My overreaction, Jack, Marquise Hollywood-Brown is a top 20 wide receiver for 2019. What do you think?
0: I would not put it past him to be a top 20 wide receiver by the time this whole thing is done, because he's going to have blow-up games like that, but he's not playing the Dolphins every week, and he has not proved consistency. I mean, he's only played one game, but... If Marquise Brown, look, you should probably add Marquise Brown if he's available, but if he has a situation where it's easy to predict his blow-up games, not only will he be a top 20 wide receiver, you're going to be happy to own him, but there's a world where you're not happy to own him because you have no idea when to play him because you just don't know with that Ravens offense when they're going to run it 80,000 times or when Lamar Jackson is going to have a crazy efficient passing day, which by the way. Have you victory lapped on Lamar Jackson? Because I was not very high on him. I thought he's a decent thrower, but there's no way he's going 17 of 20, 300 plus yards. But And you didn't say that either, but wow. Nope. He he looked legit. He looked legit.
1: He really did. And I see, I didn't take a victory lap on Lamar Jackson because my whole Lamar Jackson stance was that I thought he was going to rush for 1,000 yards this year. And just based on that, Performance alone and those stats, those fantasy points he'll accumulate from his rushing yardage and rushing touchdowns, he'll become a top five quarterback. He, again, he rushed like he had like three carries for six yards. That, that's not the Lamar Jackson I know. And hey, it, I, I love to see it for Lamar Jackson himself. Definitely, you know, uh, proving any doubters he previously had wrong. But for my fantasy stance, I actually didn't love Lamar Jackson's performance week one, because like you said, he's not going to play the Dolphins every week. If he's really just going to abandon the run like this, that doesn't bode well for his future fantasy performances. Because again, Lamar Jackson, hate to break it to you, but Lamar Jackson's not throwing for five touchdowns every single week. (laughs) Here's my last couple points out, Marquise Brown. Um, I don't think he'll finish as a top 20 wide receiver, because like you said, he's just going to be way too inconsistent this year. It's the whole Deshaun Jackson dilemma. It's like, yeah, Deshaun Jackson looked great week one against the Redskins, against his former team. He blew up in a similar way to Hollywood Brown. But the next next week you're going to start him because, oh man, I left him on my bench and the next week he's going to go out and get one reception for 15 yards. You know what I mean? And it's just so hard, in my opinion, to start a guy like that and rely on a guy like that. Um, So it's just a whole catch-22 sort of with Marquise Brown. And then the only other thing I'll mention about Marquise Brown is that he only played 12 offensive snaps this past week, right? I don't know if you knew that, Jack. It's insane. So again, he had four receptions, 147 yards and two touchdowns on 12 offensive snaps, which was just 18% of the total offensive snaps for the Baltimore Ravens. And that's not a good thing. I mean, again, talk about hyper efficiency. That's incredible. But as far as a guy you can rely on, I don't want to trot out a wide receiver in my lineup that's only going to play 18% of the offensive snaps. And you might be like, oh, but the Ravens were blowing out the Dolphins. You know, they wanted to save him or whatever. Well, A.J. Brown, another rookie wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, they also wanted a blowout, but A.J. Brown played 43% of the snaps. So I don't buy that argument. And of course, we have Terry McLaurin. My guy with the Washington Redskins, who also looked amazing as a rookie wide receiver, and he played 93% of the snaps. So in my opinion, if you're looking to take a new wide receiver off the waiver wire, I would look at A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin before Marquise Brown.
0: Well, that leads me into my next overreaction. and I'm not even sure it's an overreaction, but here's the thing. We may be wrong about the whole statement Yep. don't draft rookie wide receivers yep. don't have rookie wide receivers what if this is the second aberration in this decade the first one being 2014 where you had odell beckham jr Cal- Kelvin benjamin mike evans what if this is that second aberration and this is the year of the rookie wide receiver you mentioned some stats aj brown went three for 100 hollywood brown four for 147 and to two touchdowns terry mac daddy lauren Five for 125 and one touchdown. Keyshawn, no relation, Johnson, five for 46. DK Metcalf, four for 89. Quietly, quietly, very, very quietly. The top, if you look at the top eight rookie or wide receiver games in their first day, two of them came from last Sunday. Marquise Brown had 147 yards. That's the fourth most among wide receivers playing in their first game. Terry McLaurin had 125 yards. That's the eighth most among wide receivers playing in the first game. Scroll down the list a little, 100 yards for A.J. Brown. That's the 17th most. So maybe I'm overreacting, but these are guys that are really talented. I don't think anyone was saying A.J. Brown wasn't talented. I don't think anyone saying was saying D.K. Medcalf wasn't talented. St- Terry McLaurin, we had some mixed opinions about across the film community, but I know you liked him. A lot of the reason was we didn't believe in their situation. We didn't believe the Titans were going to be any good. We didn't believe the uh, Ravens were going to pass the ball a lot. But what if they do? What if this is the year where you're going to have two, three, maybe four wide receivers in the top 25 that are rookies?
1: I mean, hey, if that happens, then we might have to go back a few months and delete that one podcast we did. (laughs) <laughs> a rookie show where I'm pretty sure, at least I spent about 30 minutes ranting on why you should not trust rookie wide receivers. So I might lose a little credibility if this happens. But you bring up a great point, and you bring up some great stats. It's definitely a cool trend to watch. And not only are we talking about rookie wide receivers, but how about this? We also mentioned that rookie tight ends often struggle even more than rookie wide receivers. And did you see what T.J. Hawkinson did in week one?
0: Oh, I saw what six T.J. receptions,
1: did. 131 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he looked like a top five tight end in the NFL.
0: Yeah, he did better in one game. I saw something. It, probably sarcastic. He did better in one game in terms of yards and touchdowns than Eric Ebron did in four years <laughs> as a lion.
1: Definitely uh, a little bit of an I, I think exaggeration, but yeah. That's a bit. Uh,
0: <laughs> I think uh, these might be, th- this might be Hollywood Brown's best game of the year. Same with McLaurin possibly Keyshawn Johnson, possibly A.J. Brown, but I see room to grow. So I don't think this is a big overreaction. Maybe it's not the year of the, of the rookie wide receiver, but I think you saw in week one, guys that were on the field a lot, pick them up. Uh, guys that weren't on the field a lot, obviously Nikhil Harry injured reserved. Uh, Debo Samuel, I was curious if he would be on the field, he wasn't three reception, 17 yards. Those are guys you don't want to pick up, but you want to keep your eye on. But as for the guys that were on the field a lot, getting a lot of uh, targets and receptions, maybe stash him because you never know. With all the flex injuries out there, you you might have to start them in week two or three. Even though you don't want to start a wide res- rookie wide receiver early in the year, you definitely want to have these guys on your bench.
1: Exactly. And I also just think like rookie wide receivers, I feel like it's similar to rookie quarterbacks now. Guys are coming into the league more ready than ever to make an instant impact, and now we're just seeing it actually translate into actual fantasy points, which is really cool to see. And speaking of a guy who made an instant impact in week one, a guy who I've been high on all season, also receiving a little bit of hate, Evan Ingram. Jack? Your, your New York Giants tight end went 11 receptions, 116 yards and a touchdown in week one against a very talented Dallas Cowboys defense that's very strong with lineback play, linebacker play. So my take this week, my overreaction, Evan Ingram will finish as the tight end one.
0: That'd be fun. I'd, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> That'd be cool. I don't own him really anywhere, but I'd take it. I don't think he's going to finish as a tight end one. His offense is just so terrible. And what's the best he can do? The best he can do is get a five-yard rollout, play-action rollout because everyone's focused on Saquon Barkley. He finds a wide-open touchdown. Maybe that happens in 10 out of 16 games. It makes him the tight end two or three. That's his ceiling. I don't think he has a chance of finishing above Travis Kelsey Maybe either Kittle or Ertz, but probably not both. Look, I'd be very happy, and I think that is a perfectly normal reaction. It's not quite a crazy overreaction. But I don't know. Evan Ingram, the, the tight end one, the tight end one. I'd love it. It would be fun, but I don't I don't think so. What? Do you, what is your argument for or against?
1: Yeah, no, he's not going to be the tight end one. No way he finishes ahead of Travis ah. Kelsey or Zach Ertz in my book. But hey— Everything I saw from week one just fits my whole prediction of that he's going to finish as the tight end three ahead of George Kittle. George Kittle looked fine week one. I believe he had, I want to say, like 80 yards, didn't, didn't get in the end zone. He looked fine, but he did not look as explosive as Evan Ingram did. And in addition to that, Ingram just looked like the best receiver in New York, even with Sterling Shepard playing. I mean, he had 11 receptions. Sterling Shepard finished second with six. And just 42 yards. Um, I don't know. They play sim- similarly in the middle of the field. That's what Stepmom Lauren uh, argued for when she came on our show. She was anti-EBron just be- or excuse me, in- Ingram, just because she said that too many of the Giants' talented wide receivers play sort of in that slot role. It mainly Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. But yeah, hey, that didn't that didn't stop Evan Ingram this week. Eli Manning looked serviceable, like he was fine, right? He's not going to hold back Ingram. So, yeah, I think Evan Ingram is the tight end three this year, and, I mean, that's about it. Right now, he's the tight end two behind TJ Hawkinson, so it's an interesting story to watch. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, I don't think if If, you had any doubts about Ingram going into the season, you shouldn't anymore.
0: Yeah, that's true. And especially Sterling Shepard has a concussion. He's questionable for week two. The top five. Five tight ends this week were Evan Ingram, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Delaney Walker, and Vernon Davis. So basically, the three young athletic guys and the two old block of just wood (laughs) old guys that somehow are still playing in the NFL. Uh, I don't know how I – side note, but I should have drafted Delaney Walker more because – even though he's coming off the injury, it's not like he's busted. He's old, but he hasn't shown any signs of wear and tear besides that one injury he had last year. Anyway, that that's just a, a post-week one regret overreaction. Speaking of regrets, will we be regretting drafting Miles Sanders and David Montgomery? Sanders, only 48% of the snaps, not bad. He had twelve touches. Uh, that's not great. Darren Sproles was on the field a lot. David Montgomery had thirty-eight percent of snaps, seven touches. His team scored three points. Mitch Trubisky looked awful. Do we worry about having these rookie running backs on our roster? You're not, you know, you're not dropping them, but is it time to sound the alarm?
1: It depends. On if you reach for them in your draft. Because if you're drafting Miles Sanders, I don't think you are drafting him to slot him in as a starting running back week one. And if, and if and if he's just kind of riding your bench, I think you're fine. Because watching that Eagles-Redskins game, Miles Sanders was definitely the best running back in Philly. His stats didn't exactly show it, and the, and the splitting of carries didn't show it either. But... He is their rookie. He is the most talented runner in that backfield. I think the Eagles are slowly gonna phase out Jordan Howard, and by week six or so, Miles Sanders will be the guy to own in Philly. Now, so basically, don't worry about him. Keep him stashed on your bench. By the second half of the season, Miles Sanders, in my opinion, is gonna be in a terrific flex play at running back. David Montgomery, on the other hand, I am terrified, Jack Leto, because I was a guy who was high on him. <laughs> I drafted him in, I believe, two or three different leagues. And oh, man, like you mentioned it, only seven <laughs> touches. The fact that not just Tariq Cohen outsnapped him, that's fine because they honestly play different positions. I mean, third down back, you know, a low key slot receiver for Tariq Cohen. But Mike Davis outsnapped David Montgomery, and that terrifies Ooh. me, Jack. Is there anything you can got You got any stats that will make me feel better about David Montgomery?
0: That's the problem. I don't. I I went back and watched the games and Miles Sanders, I agree. I think you didn't draft him as your RB one or two. You draft him as a stash. I think you continue to stash him. Uh, and I'll get back to him on in a second. David Montgomery. Yeah, you can't legislate usage. These coaches aren't going to listen to us. We don't. They don't care. Matt Nagy doesn't care that no one owns Mike Davis and everyone owns Tariq Cohn or David Montgomery. It's kind of like the uh, Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay, Devonta Booker thing last year. A
1: little bit, yeah. Where
0: you have three guys that are decent running backs, but you have two guys that are just better. And Mike Davis isn't a bad player, but David Montgomery is much better. What I'm worried about with Montgomery is if you drafted him, as a RB one, I'm worried because I looked, I watched the game. Yeah. He's not the same explosive runner that Sanders is. He might actually be a better running back by the end of his career than Sanders. Cause there are flaws in Sanders game that Montgomery doesn't have, but I don't think Montgomery has the top 10 potential that Josh Jacobs has. He made one cut where you saw it from the end zone angle. And you thought to your, you just saw Devonta Freeman in that in his body. And Devonta Freeman would have made a full jump cut to get around the line of scrimmage and get five or six yards while Montgomery made kind of a half a jump cut and got an arm around him and got a, about two and a half, three yards. Montgomery is not an explosive, amazing player, but what I did notice is he's able to find holes. He's patient. He's kind of like a Frank Gore, and that's not a bad thing. Frank Gore is a great running back. He's a Hall of Famer. I think David Montgomery is a very safe mid-tier RB2 with an upside of RB, probably RB12 or 13. That's his upside. So if you drafted him as your RB1, you might be in trouble, but I don't think you did. I think Montgomery will take a little bit of time for Nagy to realize that he is the best running back in the backfield, or at least he's the best runner in the backfield. You can argue Tariq Cohen is a better player. But you also have to remember, the Bears scored three points that game, and that could be a bad thing. Of course, it could be a bad thing. But the Bears are not going to be any worse than three points. There's no way they're going to get shut out. All right, freezing cold takes. (laughs) Mark this down. I don't think the Bears are going to score three points every game. I think combined with the fact that Montgomery will not, see, he, he, even if he sees uh, wear and tear on his tires, he's not going to slow down. He's still the same guy. And throughout the season, he's going to get better marginally every week. And by the end of the season, you're going to be fine. If he's an RB2, if if you have good wide receivers on your team. Yeah,
1: I mean, like you said, look, this is rock bottom for David Montgomery, which, <laughs> again— <laughs> Yeah, by the way,
0: if you can trade for David Montgomery or Miles Sanders, I think you should go for it.
1: I do, too. I mean, definitely, they're definitely both buy-low candidates, right? But my issue with David Montgomery is just that—it's uh, this whole Mike Davis thing. I I don't know, like, <laughs> six carries for 18 yards. You said right now you have him still as, like, a mid-tier running back, too— Right now, I have him as merely a flex play. Like, that's... I'm scared, man. Like, Jack, I need some reassurance right now because, I mean, six carries for 18 yards is not great. Like you said, I think he'll start getting into the double-digit carries soon. But again, you mentioned he's more of just like a ground-and-pound guy. I don't see him averaging more than four yards a carry this year. So if he gets 10 carries a game, that's 40 yards, okay? And then... In the passing game in week one, he had that one really nice catch for 27 yards. Yeah,
0: that's one thing I didn't mention. I think Nagy's going to look at his film and be like, wow, we should throw to David Montgomery. Right,
1: hopefully. And maybe not on third down, but I think they could... Honestly, it would just help the offense more as a whole to mix it up and throw to Montgomery on first and second down. That's just a way to mix up the offense a little bit. But like, unless he starts getting four, five, six targets a game... I can't even... I I don't know. I'm just not confident in David Montgomery as a running back, too. If he's only getting 10 carries a game.
0: I will add this caveat. I'm not sure I made it clear. Right now, I don't have David Montgomery as a mid-tier RB2. I have him as a high-end RB3.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: But I think he marginally improves... Kind of like a, like a Frank Gore, where yeah. even if he gets some wear and tear on his tires, he's still a good enough running back. He doesn't have the running style where after four or five games, people figure him out. No, he's a patient yeah. running back. He finds holes. He isn't the fastest guy. He isn't the biggest guy. He isn't the strongest guy, but he's a jack of all trades. And back to Sanders, I think one thing we didn't realize, and you were watching that Redskins-Eagles game, I'm sure, mm-hmm. Darren Sproles. That dude is five 5'6", 36 years old. He's returning punts, He's and he is all over the field. There is no way the Eagles continue to use him at that rate for the rest of the He's season. Incredible. There's no way.
1: Here's the last thing I'll say about Dave Montgomery, and actually a stat that might give you a little bit of reassurance if you're worried about him. Throwback to 2017, Joe Mixon was a top pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. and A lot of people drafted him that year thinking he could— I don't know, create a lot of a big impact similar to David Montgomery as a rookie. He played under forty percent of the Bengals snaps his first two games and then exploded after okay. that, if you remember from twenty seventeen. So if anything, maybe that there's a similar situation coming for David Montgomery in Chicago.
0: Yeah, you also have to remember these first two or three weeks. They're essentially preseason for a lot of these Very guys. True. All right. Do you have anything else, Andrew?
1: Fantasy's back, baby. It's the best time of the year.
0: Ah. Uh, How many leagues are you playing in, Jack? is so back. I am playing in 3 leagues and I'm occasionally doing some FanDuel lineups. Okay. FanDuel lineups, but uh I think I won one week in a 50/50 and I lost. Yeah, I I won a full slate in FanDuel and then nice. I lost the four o'clock slate in FanDuel because I bet too much uh, on Detroit okay. against Arizona.
1: Okay, so, I'm, yeah. so
0: Maybe I should have put some Danny uh, Amendola in my lineup.
1: Seriously you talk about a guy that went off I'm playing in five fantasy leagues five season long leagues Ooh. which I thought I could handle but like all my lineups are just getting you know mixed up now I don't remember which team I have Le'Veon Bell in and which team I went wide receiver early in and I don't remember which leagues have which players on the waivers now. It's all it's all getting kind of confusing. And then on top of that, on this show everyone knows all of our, you know, listeners know that I'm a big daily fantasy guy. So I did get into some DraftKings leagues this past week and I did all right. I hit on about 50% of them as well. Didn't win my full slate one though. So that's impressive. That's a big that's a big uh that's a good hit, Jack.
0: That's big. All right. That's going to do it for us. Hey, with fantasy sports starting up, Remember, this is fun. This is fun stuff. And if you're putting money on games, you're putting money on over-unders, you're putting money on uh, DFS, remember, do it with disposable income. Do it with small amounts if you can, because gambling is a gambling addiction is a real problem. And if you need help, please get help. Fantasy is supposed to be fun. This has been a real fun show. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jack Sledo. Andrew is at Andrew underscore Fennichel. We are proudly on the Powder Blue Podcast Network. For my partner, Andrew Fennichel, I've been Jack Vito. I'll see you next time.